What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Two Smart Dummies podcast. As always, I'm your host, Marcus. And I'm your host, B. Reed. Got it. Uh, What's up, man? We missed last week. Um, Mostly my fault, I guess, but uh, I really don't remember, which is my ways. What's been going on? Uh, Nothing. I like that you took the blame because things are usually your fault, but... Man, that's the theme of my life. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of uh, a miserable day outside, so... It is. Now, did your kids get off for school because of the snow? Nah, it's not... I mean, it's not cold enough for it to stick here. It's just like thick rain. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. I hate that shit anyway. Uh, all right, man. So had a couple weeks to, to kind of digest some things. Uh, not much has changed in the world of college football. Uh, not much has really changed in the world of the NFL. Um, the Raiders have had two players retire on them midseason, so that's that tells you how bad they are. Um, Don't need to risk uh, their body. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, we don't need to talk about it. Well, just, uh, just the thing, what's up with this year of people, like, retiring mid-season? I mean, I guess Vernon Davis, what's his name now, Vontae Davis, did he just open the door that's now this is okay? I guess. I mean, shit, if, when you're done, you're done. I mean, that's how you get hurt, I guess. I guess they, they got enough money where they don't need the rest of, rest of the contract. I mean, would you want to play for Oakland or Buffalo right now just for the hell of it? I'm just wondering... What happened to the good old days of just faking a hamstring injury for six weeks? Might as well just get uh, keep getting them checks. Yeah, just fake the hamstring, travel with the team, you know, get out there and say, ah, it's still a little bit tight. Nobody can tell you that your hamstring's not tight or your lower back's not tight. That's true. That's why I thought Le'Veon Bell was going to do this whole year. Interesting question. Do you think Le'Veon reports? He has till tomorrow. No, I don't think so. I think since they found that loophole in the CBA agreement that uh, he's done. He does not want to play for them. Would you like to explain to the people what you're talking about? Uh, I could not do it in an educational, <laughs> uh, yeah, basically progressive way. Basically, they found out that the uh, in the old CBA, you would lose your year if you did not report by Tuesday. In this new CBA, they didn't put that same language. It just means that you can't play this year. So you actually just you lose this year, but you don't lose a year of service. It just makes you ineligible to play. So if he doesn't report tomorrow, it still counts for a year, and they would still have to pay him the full franchise tag for whatever year it is. And then if they chose not to do that, they can put the transition tag on him, which is only like $9 million, but they would have to match any offer that he gets from any other team. So kind of a win-win for him in my opinion. You think he is a Pittsburgh Steeler next year? No, no. I think I've been under the impression this whole time that his agent, if his agent is worth anything, already probably has two or three deals lined up for him. So they know that the Steelers are going to have to match whatever comes about, and then they haven't been shown a willing, they hadn't shown a willingness to do that. So I just, I mean, I think he's going to get like stupid money from the Jets. If people don't know, the Jets tried to give Kirk Cousins that three-year, $28 million, three-year, $30 million, and he just didn't want to play for them. And so he went to Minnesota and took a little bit less. But I'm pretty sure the Jets offered him three years more guaranteed money, and he was just like, ah, let's take it to Minnesota and see if they can get in the area. So 
I mean, yeah, for what it's worth, I'm all about player. I mean, I wouldn't want to play for a bad franchise. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with all the player movement in the NBA. I just, man, I wouldn't want to play for a bad franchise or a bad owner or this or that or the other. I mean, everyone has that dream of being able to go to go somewhere and and be the one that's the savior. But man, that takes a beating. That, that's just a wear and tear on your body. That you, and then if you fail, you're just another one on the list. I I wouldn't do it. Yeah, but you know. It's different because if you're Kirk Cousins, yeah, you're a quarterback. You're going to take the blame. But if you're a running back like Le'Veon Bell, I mean, I, t- I take the money. I go to New York. I mean, you're not going to take the blame. Whoever the quarterback's going to take the blame. It's, it hasn't been often that a team is bad and a running back has taken the brunt of that. So, I mean, management is going to take it. Darnold not, you know, producing is going to take it. But Le'Veon wouldn't take that. While we're on that subject of Sam Darnold, this whole rookie class of QBs has been pretty bad. Um, I know they all have potential. I mean, you know, whatever. But they've all been bad. Baker at Mayfield has kind of slumped off. And while he's still an exciting player, and I think he's going to be good, he's he's not been good to this point. Sam Darnold's been just a turnover machine. Josh Rosen hasn't been great. I mean, there's this has not been a, a great year for the rookie quarterbacks, especially for a class that was highly touted. Well, I would argue that this class has been better than most classes. Now, they didn't, they didn't come out just killing it as stars, but I mean that's kind of how quarterbacks do. This is kind of what happened with quarterbacks. Their first couple of games, they look really good. Then they get enough tape where you can look at their weaknesses, and then you break down their weakness. I think all those quarterbacks are in the stage right now where there's enough film on them that you can kind of break down their weaknesses, kind of confuse them, throw different coverages at them, but. You know, by week 12, week 13, I look for these players to get better. I think all of these quarterbacks are going to be really good in the future. But, I mean, I saw this with Carson Wentz. He he came out, looked really, really good. Then in that middle stretch between, like, week 6 and week 12, he looked like he really regressed. And then towards the end of the season, he just killed it, and it set up for a really good season the following year. So that's what that's why I'm a big fan of starting your rookie quarterback. Don't sit him on a bench behind a Josh McNall because, yeah, it worked for Patrick Mahomes, but it doesn't always work. Most of the time, you're just burning a year. They're going to get in and suck anyway. Yeah, I mean, if, you, if you've if got a pretty pedestrian starting quarterback, then yeah, I agree. I mean, who cares? But, I mean, Alex Smith is a pretty serviceable quarterback, and I think the Chiefs made the right move. I mean, but clearly they saw what they need to see in him trading up 17 picks to get him. Um, and he has delivered, you know, in every way imaginable. Um, How about them firing um, Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson, and the Browns just looked, like, awesome <laughs> yesterday. Did you see that? Man, you could see in Hard Knocks that they just <laughs> – that the problem was those two knuckleheads. They, they didn't like each other. No, they didn't. And, you know, Hugh, ja- Hugh Jackson is not a good coach. I don't care what anyone says. Any coach that goes 1-32 – should not have a job anyway. And Greg Williams uh, hated both of them. He did. You know, yeah, that was the you could tell on Hard Knocks that was just a very dysfunctional uh coaching uh coaching staff. It just was. I mean, I'm not shocked. You can only go up from what the hell they were doing. Man, and and Nick Chubb is living up to what I thought he was be because when I was looking at the combine, I know everybody was going crazy over Barkley, but if people go back and look at the combine, Nick Chubb had almost the exact same, like, stats as Saquon Barkley. The only difference was Nick Chubb was, like, say, a 4-8. I mean, not a 4-8, like a 4-4-8, and Barkley was, like, a 4-3. But other than just straight-line speed, 
everything else was like right there. Yeah, and then you had um, the fact that he was coming off of a major knee injury, and people worried about that. But knee injuries aren't what they used to be, especially for you know a young a young running back. You look at Todd Gurley, and might as well you can't even, can't even tell the dude had a knee injury. Yeah, and it's funny because I was I was just talking to some friends about this. Um, you know, back in the day, you get an ACL injury, your career was like pretty much over. You never really recover. And this in football, basketball, whatever. So it seemed like at that point, you didn't see a lot of ACL injuries. Now the surgeries have advanced where they can fix these ACLs and you come back as good as new. Now you see like two or three of them a week. I don't understand how how that changed from, you know what I mean? Like now well, we the same thing them. with baseball with Tommy John surgery. I mean, that was used used to be a uh, like a a pretty much surefire way that uh, your career was done, and now it's like a rite of passage for a lot of these pitchers. <laughs> You're not good till you get the Tommy John, right? Yeah, exactly. So juice that arm up, club. get that bionic arm. Exactly. Well, I mean, so people talk about uh, why that is happening. And the main conclusion that people have done research on this is that because people specialize at sports at such a young age now that, you know, you kind of wear out those those ligaments quicker than you used to. I mean, you used to have the players that played baseball in the spring, football in the fall, basketball right at you. So they were always working different ligaments. And now that they've specialized by age 12 or, you know, they've decided to just play one sport. Um, you're starting to see muscles wear out quicker um, and ligaments wear out quicker. Yeah, I mean, that's what I've been looking at that. I mean, people take sports too serious too young because of this whole recruiting and AU thing. Now you have, like, these camps and stuff for kids that are, like, four, five, and six trying to get them ready, making it just seem like a job all their lives. And I just just don't think that's how it should be. At some point, it should just be purely for fun. But you see kids now, you know, fifth sixth grade it's already like a job for them and i just right just burn people out man plus people are bigger faster stronger um you're making your body more efficient i just don't believe that your body is built to be as efficient as these athletes are making them (laughs) that's why they're breaking down i mean that's just my opinion unless you're not from this planet like a lebron james well we already know he's from the alien which is only right that he does space jam (laughs) yeah so um We'll see. I, uh, I, I think that, I mean, with evolution, they're only going to get bigger. They're only going to get stronger. But I would like to see more multi-sport that, sport athletes. You just really, I mean, it's one of the things of the past. I mean, you know, you have your exceptions, like your boy Kyler Murray um, for Oklahoma. But still, um, it's still far, few far and in between. Random question. Do you think that baseball players make better quarterbacks? I mean, it's kind of hard to say no. I mean, you look at some of the best ever. You look at uh, John Elway, Dan Marino, uh, all pitchers, and those are two of the best quarterbacks. Even, Tom Brady. Even Patrick Mahomes. Russell Wilson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to say no because that you have to learn accuracy when it, when it comes to playing baseball. And, I mean, some of the best quarterbacks we've ever had, you know, have been baseball players. So, yeah, I guess, you know, it is a great thing. And especially for quarterback, I think the one thing that you get from playing baseball is when they start playing football, they're able to release the ball from different points and still be accurate and have velocity on it. Um, that's what I look at all these quarterbacks. Like, 
Patrick Mahomes. Like everyone raves about his creativity with the ball and how he can throw it, but it's hard for you to really knock balls down from him because he can throw from different platforms. Just like Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is like five seven. His offensive line, everybody like six seven, and I rarely see him get the ball batted down. Unlike uh, Michael Vick, who always got the ball batted down. So. Right. Just a random question. I just was been thinking about that. I watch people that play baseball. It just seems like they're always so much better quarterbacks. Yeah, it's definitely hard to deny. Um, anything big happened in college football this weekend? Mm, nothing too big. I mean, I think it kind of pre- pretty much stays standard across the board. Uh, LSU kind of struggled with Arkansas. OU almost lost to um, Oklahoma State, which – even though I'm an OU fan, I, now I think the OU is going to definitely lose to West Virginia. But, uh, nah, nothing big. Tennessee beat Kentucky. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, we we were all so happy with how Kentucky was doing. And then, uh, you know. Dude, Kentucky, shut the bed, Kentucky can lose every game this season. It's still probably the best season they've had in 20 years. So, it doesn't really matter anymore. I mean... Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> they've they've already true. peaked this season. They can't go nowhere but up. I mean, they're going to have a winning I'm, year. They're going to go to a bowl game. That's something that you rarely say about a Kentucky. I mean, yeah, it's just I'm just surprised they got beat as bad as they did. I mean, they lost 24-7 to a, a pedestrian balls team who, you know, is in the first year of their coach and, um, you know, has looked – decent some games it look like pure poo poo the other so i'm i'm kind of shocked and tennessee's come on to win i think two in a row i'm not really um, shocked just because you know before you know kentucky's confidence was really high and you know confidence and momentum can win you a lot of games that maybe you weren't supposed to be in and then they go into georgia and just get completely dominated and look like the old kentucky so tennessee getting them after getting tennessee getting kentucky after kentucky got destroyed by georgia it kind of makes sense because they made them look like children. They just ran over them and kind of punked them. Yeah. So, um, Jimmy Butler got traded. What? To... I didn't hear that. Yeah, I know. Man. I know that's yeah. uh, random. Hadn't but been on the news or anything. Nothing. I mean, quietly, Jimmy Butler has been <laughs> traded to the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. Um, it's funny because they interrupted like a college football game to broadcast that. <laughs> Like, it wasn't like a breaking news thing, but it was like the commentators who was calling the game. I can't remember what game I was watching, but they were like, well, Jimmy Butler just got traded. That's how you know that that's a uh, – you're probably watching a bad game if that's what you're talking (laughs) about. So, so if I'm Minnesota, first of all, if I'm Minnesota – Well, let's start with this before you get into your point. Who won on this trade? Philadelphia. Big win, small win. Big win. I, I mean, look, I like uh, Covington. I, you know, if they could have fa- figured out a way to keep him, I think that would have been great as well. But I mean, Jimmy Butler is an obvious upgrade at the position, almost in every way. Um, and then I like Sarge. I like him a lot too. I think he's going to do well in Minnesota. But um, I think anytime you can add a player like Jimmy Butler and not give up a real cornerstone. Uh, you got to do it. Well, we disagree on this topic because I think it's a win-win for both teams. I don't think either team lost, um, even if this is a rental. They said that Jimmy Butler is going to agree to a long-term contract with the Sixers. I think it's great for the Sixers. Don't get me wrong. 
it puts them at different levels. Like it keeps Minnesota in contention for the seventh, eighth seed, or wherever they were, which is really good for Minnesota. But it puts Philadelphia in an elite class because not only did you get a good player like Jimmy Butler, but you get someone in Philly that fits Philly's personality, that fits that team's personality, that's mean, that's rough, that's tough. You put him with Embiid. Now, Ben Simmons, he's kind of cocky and arrogant, but he's quiet. Now you got somebody that's just like Embiid, that's nasty, that'll talk bad to people, that'll get down in the gutter. Like, that's going to be a tough team to beat. And then on the Minnesota side, that's the best you can hope for for someone that didn't resign. I mean, Philadelphia gave those assets for a half a year. You got a solid 24-year-old forward. That's a stretch four, allowing Cat to go back down in the post. And then you have a someone that can stretch it out and spread it out for him. You get a Robert Covington to replace Jimmy Butler, who he's not Jimmy Butler, but he's on the same level. He's spaced the four. He can hit threes. He's a fierce defender. And you get a second-round pick. Now, the second, I would have still pushed for a first, but I guess you got to do what you got to do when the dude's making trouble in the locker room. But I think it makes both teams better. Yeah, you know, if I'm Minnesota, I the way they handled this whole situation – I want to see a team one because if Jimmy Butler was doing if I if I was a general manager coach owner if if um if I was in this situation and I had a player doing what Jimmy Butler was doing just some of the just clownish childish shit to get traded I would I would make sure that motherfucker now I would I would trade him at the fucking trade deadline but he would sit and rot at the end of my fucking bench until. Um, until that point, well, you, um, well, they put you in a tough situation because you can't devalue the player because you only uh, hurt I, yourself if you devalue. Maybe, but I just want to see someone like stop that one day because the stuff, the childish stuff he was doing, waving with the fans at the Warriors games, just the way he was messing with everything. Just, I mean, if you're another team, why would you even want to put up with that anyway? I mean, I, I get Jimmy Butler is a great player, but the dude seems to be a real locker room problem. I mean, he was that way in Chicago when he was unhappy. So, yeah, and that know, was when, one of the things that was reported. Whenever he doesn't get his way, how does he act? So, uh, as much as I'm saying that it could be great, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are still young. So, I mean, this could implode also. I mean, he could get Here's up. my problem with Jimmy Butler. Here's my main problem with him. What gives him the right to act this way? Cause, because he works I, hard. I mean, I, I understand his point. His point is that I play hard But he ain't all the won time. shit. You, what does he want? It don't matter if he won. What, but you can't come into a locker room and be like, hey, I'm Jimmy Butler. I've, I've, I've been through things. Because it's like Derrick Rose can say the same thing. But that's you not what, what he was saying. He was saying, I'm Jimmy Butler. And he said, Cat, you're the best player on this team. Wiggins, you're the most talented person on this team. Why do I play the hardest on this team every game? Why am I the one working the hardest all the time? If you're the best player on the team and you're the most talented person on the team, why am I the best player on this team? I shouldn't be the best player on this team. You should be the best player. You should work just as hard as me. Wouldn't that be frustrating if you come to a place, you're giving your heart and you're trying to win, and then you feel like these other players aren't giving as much effort as you are? He never said he won anything. He just said the players around him doesn't take, don't take it serious and don't work as hard as he does. Well, we already knew that. Well, that's a, that's I mean, a problem. <laughs> so I think that the win-win part comes from Minnesota. The win, in, the win part won't start until they fire Tibbs, but um, – I do think that, they, that this is going to help Cat and Wiggins, obviously, because you don't really have to worry about Jimmy Butler's crazy antics. And 
um, you know, you can kind of, you know, I think Carl Anthony Towns averages like nine more points a game when Jimmy Butler's not on the, uh, not playing. Yeah. And, and then I think Wiggins adds like two more points a game when, when, uh, when Butler's not playing. So it's going to help them a lot. But I think he's, I think even though it was kind of a bad situation, I believe that this has helped both Wiggins and Cat. Cause I've seen them both play a lot tougher than I've ever seen them play. Like, Cat, he's been playing tougher, and Wiggins has been doing more all-around stats, playing better defense. I don't think there's going to be much of a drop-off losing Jimmy Butler. Because if we remember, they got off to a hot start last year, but then when they lost Jimmy Butler, they kind of searched, but they still made the playoffs. But the players that they got fit this team better than Jimmy Butler. Jimmy, None of these players are ball-dominant, so when they get Jeff Teague back, somebody that can distribute the ball, and on top of having Robert Covington and Sark, you also have the rookie that they got, um, Josh Akugi, Akuji or something mm-hmm. like that, Yeah, who's shown that he's a really, really good player. So this Minnesota team is actually deep. And I think Sark is a very underrated player, and you know that he fits with stars because he was able to get his numbers with Embiid, Ben Simmons, or whoever. So I think this is going to be a really good fit if Thibs do what you're supposed to do. Take Taj Gibson out of the starting lineup. Start Sark. Don't mess around starting Okuji or whoever. Bring him off the bench. Let Robert Covening start. And then you have a good starting unit, and you'll be really deep. The problem is, Thibs wants to play six players 50 minutes a game. You have to spread right. that out, man. I think that was one of Jimmy Butler's biggest things, too. It's like, man, why am I playing 41, 41 minutes a game when uh, we got 15 dudes on the team? So and It's funny. That's what he got him traded. All the shit he did. They refused to trade him, but then he made those comments about being ran into the ground and paying too many, playing too many minutes, and boop, got traded. <laughs> well, I bet he wish he thought about that sooner. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> like, why didn't just talk about that in the offseason? Oh, man. So, all right, let's go through our weekly who's good, who's bad scenario with the NBA. I mean, so folks out there, I know you, it, you know, it's most of y'all are still into football, but um, Beatty and I are actually the opposite. We have kind of faded out of football and have decided to put most of our attention on the NBA. Uh, are you surprised at the Bucks right now? I'm not. I'm not. They got a um, they got a better coach. And um, what is it, Bud? How do you pronounce his name? You know I'm bad with name. Bud Heiser. Budenholzer. Budenholzer. I definitely wasn't gonna get that right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a really good coach, man. He he knows how to use talent. He knows how to space the floor and open it From up. That Popovich tree. Yeah, I mean he they just like with the Sixers, their offense provides a lot of spacing and they play hard defense. So he's finally taking the Bucks and ev- no one looks out of position anymore. This isn't a Jason Kidd Bucks where everyone just looks like they're playing the wrong position everywhere. I mean, he's allowing Brooke Lopez to shoot threes where he's comfortable. Um, I just I just like their style of play. Now, I don't think they're going to go very far. They could have been a three or four seed before, you know, Philadelphia just messed that up. But, I mean, I think they'll be good. But the East is the East is a lot better this year. Their top four teams can actually compete with a Western Conference team. So, I really like what the Bucks are doing. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, they came and they beat the hell out of Golden State a few uh, few nights ago. I mean, Steph got hurt in that game. Or was that yeah. the game he took off or was that the game he got hurt? No, nah, he got hurt in the third quarter. But, you know, yeah. it's funny, though. Even when the Bucks were bad, they've always been a bad matchup for that Warriors team. It's it's the length. Yeah, it's just the, the pure length. length. Is just, you just got a bunch of dudes who have long arms that all seem to have, like, seven foot three wingspans or something like that. So, 
it, you know, that's one thing that Kevin Durant talked about. It was just that, um, you know, the length really bothers that, that team. Yeah, and I think that uh, when when the Golden State Warriors won that 73, I believe the Bucks beat them twice that year. So it's it's just a bad matchup for the Warriors. The Bucks with their length and the way they move and how athletic and young they are, they just give the Warrior fits. So we're talking about the Warriors being a potential dynasty. Let's assume that KD stays and everything stays the same. Can it, do you think that there's a balance of power that's shifting from the West to the East? Um, you know, because it, let's say Kawhi Kawhi stays, which we both think he'll stay in Toronto. Um, you know, Boston figures it out. Philly keeps Butler and their three, and then the Bucks keep building around Giannis. Do you think any of those teams within the next two or three years have a chance to you know maybe dethrone a team like the Warriors? I don't think that they'll dethrone the Warriors, but I do think the balance of power. So that's two different questions to me because, I mean, you can have like a Bulls team that dominates the East, but then the West is like a dogfight where teams switching every year. So it, right. that's possible. So I think what what you'll see happen is that the East is going to get a lot, of, lot better and then the West will get easier for the Warriors to win. But do I think any of those teams, if it stays the same, can knock off? The uh, Warriors, the only team that I would say could would be the Sixers. And I would say the Sixers just because of the thing we just talked about with the length, how tough they play, and they have that interior presence that could really drive, give Golden State fits. I don't I don't see that with, with the Celtics. Yeah, um, I don't know, man. I, I think I do think that there there is a balance of power that's shifting, and I love it. Um, I... I you and I talk about it, and we seem to say it every uh, every episode is just that there's so much talent in the NBA right now, and we're in such a good spot that um, you know I can really see these teams starting to build. And I, you know, I do think the Warriors could end up winning five, six in a row, maybe. But there are some little dynasty, not dynasty, but there's some teams coming together that I think could, you know, maybe end that or at least be next up. Um, if the Warriors decide to break up. And I go out on a limb and say the East is probably better overall this year than the West. I mean, the West is still, you know, benefiting from that, you know, that thing of saying that, hey, the West is always best. The West is always tough. But I just don't believe that. I mean, Houston's down. Houston's really beatable. They don't have any – they don't play good defense. It's not the same team from last year. The Spurs the Lakers are down. Are awful. Who? The Lakers are awful. They're getting better. The Tyson Chandler addition made them a little tougher. That's going to be big. Yeah. That's going to be big for them. Uh, he's he single handedly has won them two games. Um, you know, as far as on the defensive side, I mean, he had a big block last night to uh, kind of preserve the game for them. Um, my guy, my guy, Javale McGee just can't take a break, man. It's the no. rat tail. It's not bringing them luck, man. Cut it, Javale. <laughs> rat tail ain't bringing you luck, bro. Cut it. <laughs> you know, I'm actually surprised at how good Portland is. Um, this year you know they're always a good team but they they seem like a different portland team this year i don't like i said when you talk about the west i don't know that any of it really matters um but because golden state's just gonna run through them all but i i'm actually surprised to see portland and less to an extent because we were both on denver uh to start the season but portland and denver i think have separated themselves from um the rest of the pack as far as you know maybe the the four through eight seed and I really like New Orleans. I mean, Oklahoma City's coming together. I think Oklahoma City's won like six of the last seven, and that's without Russell Westbrook. So with Westbrook there, that team's dangerous. Denver, I think they'll figure it out. Denver's really good. Portland's really good. 
Um, but I still think even saying those teams, I don't know that any of those teams are better than the teams you're gonna name in the East. I mean, you got the Raptors. The Raptors are really good. The Bucks are good. The Sixers are good. The Celtics are good. The Pacers are are a tough team to play. I mean, there's some there's some really legitimate teams in the East. Yeah, but that's where it stops though. Yeah, I mean, but that's where it really stops in the West too. If you're talking about true contenders, we're throwing Portland in there. But do you think Portland gets past the second round? No. No, I don't. Okay, so it's the same <laughs> argument. It's the same. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. Uh, but like we have, we've always talked about the. I, I think that the middle of the pack in the West. I mean, you look at like the Grizzlies, the Clippers, um, you know, the Jazz. Uh, well, even yeah, New Orleans right now they are better than the next. You know, they're better than the Hornets, the Pistons, the Nets, the Magic, the Heat. You know what I mean? Like the the East bad is like still really 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 bad <laughs> i mean I'll, I'll agree that there's a major drop off after five in the east but that top five in the east is legit now in the west I agree with that. after five is not that much of a drop off any of those teams you know one through ten can make that eight spot so right i mean i agree with that but it's not like a it's not the difference that you've seen over the years in the east and west it's been a bigger differential other years well, yeah, I mean, the West used to be that you had you had to win 50 games to get to the playoffs, and, uh, you know, everyone's kind of even after that top five to where, I, you know, I think the 7th, the 8th seed may be at 45, 46 wins. So, um, the shit that Golden State is doing, though, is just unfair because sometimes, you know, you get teams that are really good at picking up free agents and finding talent. Then you get teams that are really good at drafting and managing their team. But Golden State is just good at it all. I mean, they got the dude McKinney out there playing like he can be a starter for any team. You got Quinn Cook looking like he can be the starting point guard for like 15 teams in the league. They're just they're just better at finding talent, developing talent, using the D League, I mean G League, using their two-way contracts. It just seems like they're just miles ahead of every team. They're like the San Antonio Spurs with more, like, pure talent. Yeah, it's pretty nuts, man. I mean, it, it really is insane the way that they've they've worked their budget. They've You know, so they don't really it, – it's it's insane. With a homegrown team, to be able to add two major free agents like a Kevin Durant over the years, like a Boogie Cousins this year, um, it's just – it's nuts. And it, you know what, what I was thinking is it all started to come together with – the, the only real, you know, you talk about the major free agent signings that they've had, uh, and I said that was only KD and it was only um, Boogie, but I can't stress enough how big that uh, Andre Iguodala acquisition was a few years ago. That kind of is what stabilized that team. Yeah, he was he was huge. Getting in it, people kind of downplay it now because they look at Andre Iguodala as a six man and things like that. People don't realize how good he was when they got him from Denver. Like, he was still peak Andre Iguodala. Yeah, there was a time when Andre Iguodala used to put up 30 a game and be one of the best defenders in the game. So, and damn near had a triple-double yeah, every game. Yeah, so getting Andre Iguodala was a huge free agent move. And, I mean, just kind of the backup. How good was that Sixers team that had Drew Holiday, Andre Iguodala, Thaddeus Young, and just couldn't win anything? <laughs> yeah. Who was coaching them then? Was that uh, Doug Collins? I believe so. Yeah, he's always the, yeah. He's the guy. He's kind of like uh, what's your guy from Memphis, Herbie? Uh, Hugh, oh, uh, Hubie Brown. Hubie Brown. Like they can teach you how to play the game and teach you fundamentals and develop the players, but Larry Brown, same way. Yeah, but just done developing the wins. Yeah, them, them old school coaches who are true teachers. I mean, that's one thing that the NBA doesn't have now, and a lot of that's by design, right? You don't, you know. 
back then kids were coming from college and really kind of understood some sort of fundamentals of how to play the game now you just a you don't have the time to develop young talent if you're not kind of winning um and b it's just the game so fast man it's evolving every day it's kind of hard to really put in a system and really teach it years and years on end yeah it's more of managing personalities you're looking for someone who's really good at managing personalities and who can put people in positions to win but as far as you know really just sitting down coaching there's not a lot of those coaches still there because you have to have if you're going to be doing that then you have to have some pull in the organization because that shit can backfire. Players are going to get mad at you. Um, you have to get your respect. You can get fired doing that really easy if you don't get respect. Speaking of uh, solid acquisitions, um, it looks like the Carmelo Anthony era in Houston is already finished 10 games into the year. Um, you and I kind of talked about this a little bit or you know, through text message. We, we kind of thought that, uh, I never saw that this was going to be the way that um, Carmelo career, Carmelo's career has gone down. <laughs> um, but then I, I thought about Allen Iverson. The same thing happened to him. Um, you know, I'm sure there's others that all of a sudden they went from being stars to being out of the league within three years. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a natural thing with aging. But look how quickly Kevin Garnett fell with the Celtics. I mean, the year before they were con- contending. And then that next year, he just looked like a shell of himself. Um, well, he got hurt, though. He had a knee injury that cost well, him the, two, the 2010 finals. Yeah, but he came back after that. When did he? Because when he got traded to Brooklyn, that was like 2014. That yeah. That's what I'm saying. The year before that, they were still contending. They just didn't beat the Heat. They lost to the Heat. But even so, I think that was like his 17th year in the league, though, man. That was like in. This is you know, uh, Carmelo's 16th. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> this is like his 16th year true. in the league. Dude's old. He's like 36 years old. <laughs> no, nah, Melo's 34. He's 34. Oh, Wade's yeah. 36, I think. Yeah. Shit, Wade might as well. Right now, Dwayne Wade is literally just collecting a paycheck. Hey, um, they, hey if they're going to beg you to come back, beg yeah. you to come back, you say, I don't really want to play. No, we want you back. All right, well, you don't pay me. I'll do it. Because congrats to him and, and Gabrielle Union. They just they uh, just had a baby, and I know he's going to take some time to spend time with uh, his wife and daughter, but it, that's how you know he's like, yeah, and I get it. You know, his wife is 46 years old, so, you know, having a baby at this stage is, is a risky business. Oh, she didn't, but... she didn't have that baby. Surrogate. What? That was a surrogate baby. Are you being serious? No, I'm dead serious. She was posting pictures on Instagram, like, two weeks ago. That's not her baby. Was she? They did a surrogate. Oh, <laughs> well, damn. Now I sound like an idiot. Yeah, you do. I should have told you I mean, that before. <laughs> To be to be clear, I don't follow celebrity lives like that, so I just assumed that she had a baby like fucking Janet Jackson just did at fifty. No, no, they used a surrogate. <laughs> Egg on my face. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, well, then back to Carmelo. Yeah. Anybody? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Anybody could have saw this coming, man. When he went to OKC last year, and they just asked the question, would you be willing to come off the bench? And he thought that was the funniest thing in the world. Dude, you're 33 years old, and you hadn't been, you've been a shell of yourself for the last three seasons, and you feel disrespected by if you're going to come off the bench. That attitude right there of just not being, I'm a star, I'm a star. That's the same thing that was the demise of Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson could have played another five years easily just coming off the bench, playing 15 to 20 minutes, but their egos won't allow him to do it. That's why I thought going to Houston is the worst situation ever. 
everybody could see it coming. Number one, he doesn't want to come off the bench. Number two, he plays no defense. And number three, he sucks in that system. He played in that system. Jeremy Lin yeah, was literally better than him in that system. Right. So why would yeah. why would it work? I, I, I never thought that was going to work. That's why I thought that everyone who was saying this was going to be a great uh, acquisition, I always thought it was kind of funny because it's like, well, why? He's older in the same system that he hated and couldn't function in. You know, not not even a decade ago. This was what five, six years ago. Yeah, I mean, so and he was changed? when he was actually good. He couldn't fit the system. Now you think he's gonna go in there and do everything Trevor Ariza did? I'm glad this is happening in Houston because Houston is all about analytics and you know going to get these big stars. And they had a good thing last year. And you let Trevor Ariza go to go chase after Carmelo Anthony. I don't want to hear that. Well, uh, they Phoenix overplayed Trevor Ariza. No, he was worth $18 million. That's what he was worth. One-year $18 million contract, the flexibility that he, that he had for that team. That's the difference between a Warriors and a Houston. They appreciate Andre Iguodala. Everybody outside of the world may not pr- appreciate Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston, but those are key pieces of the team. And that's what Houston failed to realize. Once they let Trevor Ariza go, the whole dynamics of that team changed. Um, so, let's assume that Carmelo Anthony is waived and all signs have pointed to him being released at some point. Um, I think another team is going to sign him. Miami, uh, why? <laughs> but why? Because he's best friends with Dwayne Wade. Miami Heat. At some point, somebody's gonna stop signing motherfuckers because they got friends. No, that's, so. how they, that's how they roll. As long, hey, as long as you're in LeBron's crew, you're gonna get signed, buddy. Until until you say you don't want to play anymore, you're gonna get a contract. I mean, his one of his best friends is Chris Paul, the head of like the players' union. Union. <laughs> LeBron James is like the VP or treasurer of the the union. I mean, he's gonna get a job. Yeah, if he wants it. Yeah. Uh, I'm just curious to see where he goes. If he goes to a contender or if he goes to I mean, let's face it. I don't think Miami's a contender. So yeah, I, um, I honestly think he's going to Miami. I think he's gonna. I think Wade's gonna make the call. He's gonna go to Miami. Just Lala and Gabrielle Union are friends. They can sit courtside, chill. Wade's out there wait, chilling. Hold up. Speak. So all right. So we've already decided, we've already figured out in this episode that I have no idea about celebrity lives because hmm. I'm still impressed with Gabrielle Union for having a baby uh, <laughs> that she didn't have. But uh, are Lala and Carmelo back together? That's what I heard a couple of minutes, months ago. I'm not positive. Like, I don't track it like that, but I'm pretty sure they are. You're plugged in. I mean, so, you know, <laughs> all I do is watch uh, TV. It's going to come across Instagram or the TV at some point in time. I know. I get all my news from Instagram. See, I, I just found out that Stan Lee died. So, what? You know, when did that uh, happen? Just breaking news, folks. R.I.P. Stan Lee, dead at 95. Hold on, so. hold on. But you just be throwing shit out there. Are we Is this verified? Like, you know this for a fact, or you just saw it on, like... According to the local Twitter, <laughs> uh, it is a fact that Stan Lee is no longer with us. And this happened when? Uh, I don't know. T- a second ago? <laughs> so this is breaking news? Breaking news. You, you heard me say breaking news. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. That's pretty sad. I like Stan Lee. Well, everybody likes Stan Lee. How can you not like Stan Lee, okay? If you like comic books, you like Stan Lee. I heard that uh, he's probably going to still be popping up in movies over the next five years because he recorded all those little scenes at, like, one time. Like, he does, like, five or six of those little scenes at one time even before the movie's over with. 
Oh, well. So you'll probably still see them popping up in Avengers movies and Marvel movies all over the place. So, rest in peace to, to Stan Lee. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, Celebrity, yeah. I mean, I just, that's, I don't know shit. I don't care about these folks' lives. <laughs> I agree. Um, <laughs> as I said, I, I know as much as I see on Instagram. But who's your top three teams in the East right now and your top three teams in the West? In the East is Toronto, Milwaukee. I mean, as of today, and, and it's Toronto. I want you to put them in order of where they rank. Toronto, Milwaukee. Um, and it's kind of hard to pick between Philly and Boston because I feel like they're pretty even right now. But you think Milwaukee's I'd say Philadelphia. better than Boston and Philly? Right now, yeah, I think they are. I think I think they are, especially with the way they beat the hell out of uh, Golden State. Um, you know, I don't think that that should be taken lightly. And Giannis is playing out of his mind. I think Toronto is playing fantastic basketball. I mean, they're 12-1 for a reason. Um, and the discovery of Pascal Siakam, who's not really a discovery, but they're developing him, and he's playing some ser- some great basketball right now. Um, and then you move on to the West. Um, for me, obviously, it's Golden State. I just, you know, it really is. And then I think it's Denver, and I think it's Portland right behind them. Um, I, I, I just think that... Denver is serious this year, and if they can get Isaiah Thomas back at some point, that's going to – and Will Barton, who's a major piece for them, um, you're going to see that depth really come into play for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to rank people not necessarily on what they're doing right now, just basically what I think they'll do towards the end of the year and overall. But I definitely go Toronto. I think Toronto's playing some of the best basketball of any team in the league. Um, number two, Sixers, um, they're really coming – they were really coming into their own – without Jimmy Butler. I mean, they had Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons have just been putting up crazy numbers over these last three or four games. And they're, they're very versatile, so I like them. And then number three, uh, I'm probably still going to go with the Celtics. Because eventually they're going to figure it out, man. They're, they're adding in new pieces, putting people in and out of the lineup, trying to see what really works for them. So they're not getting off to the hot start that they did last year. But I think eventually they'll figure it out. In the West, of course, Golden State. Number two, I really like New Orleans. I might be on, you know, in the minority here. But I just really like New Orleans. I like the dynamic that they have. They kind of struggle without Alfred Payton, but they should be getting him back soon. And then my third one is going to be Denver. I got to agree with you, you know. Me and you both agree that we really like Denver. Um, Jokic has to be more aggressive and tougher. If he wants this to be his team, him and Paul Millsop are going to have to figure out a way to put the team on his back and quit letting like Jamal Murray jack up threes. They just got to take over and be leaders of the team. But that's going to be my top three teams in both leagues. Yeah, one thing I want to say is that Drew Holiday is good. Yeah, really good. Um, underrated. I mean, really good. Probably Very underrated. Probably the second best two- well, third best two-way player in the game. Of course, you got He's Kawhi and LeBron. But after Kawhi and LeBron, you'd be hard-pressed to find a more, a better offensive-defensive player in the league. Ho, 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 ho. All right. So, LeBron has been getting away on reputation for quite a bit now. Because his defense is almost non-existent at this point in his career. And it started to show last year. I've seen now. I I think this is something we should talk about. Actually, LeBron is at a stage where I think he is just straight up on autopilot. I mean, it's clear that he is not gelled with these dudes on his team. 
Um, and I think he's just kind of hanging out right now. And his stats are as they're good. I mean, because he's the best player in the world, but there's just something missing. He's not there. He's not playing defense. I mean, I saw, <laughs> there was a play in the game the other night where uh, I can't remember who it was, but they blew to the basket. LeBron tried to kick the ball out the dude's hand, and um, they kicked it over to a wide-open three-point shooter who ended up missing. But uh, LeBron is not on that two-way list right now. Bro, what you got to remember, man, LeBron is 16 years in the league. He knows when it's serious and when it's not. Oh, I mean, he's not going to be diving on the floor, chasing down blocks right now for what? So, I mean, I'm <laughs> just I'm saying literally this is like game 10. LeBron's not going to be doing that. He's not going to be guarding dudes on the ball and – Diving out of bounds. It's not that time yet. After January, you'll see real LeBron. But I do agree that they haven't jailed yet. And I don't really see how you can keep um, Rajon Rondo or Brandon Ingram on that team after that incident with Houston. Because as I said on the last podcast, pretty sure it was on the last podcast, like your point guard spit in the face of your best friend and then Brandon Ingram came and tried to hit him from the back. Try to give him a solid two-piece. Yeah. So you got these two dudes that you look at every day in practice. You didn't, like, you hadn't been in wars with this dude. Y'all don't have any bonds. You didn't even like Rondo. And both of these dudes are on your team. And you have to look at them every day. So you just see the frustration. Now, bringing in Tyson Chandler has helped that, but we don't really think this is going to last. They got two wins, but it's only a matter of time before they had this 5-0 losing streak. You know, it's, uh, at some point, Rondo starting over uh, uh, Lonzo Ball is gonna have to stop, right? Like, I mean, it has to. I don't even know why they do this. I don't understand that. Like, you're, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, you're not developing your players. At some point, you're gonna have to depend depend on Lonzo. He's obvious. Now he was coming off an injury too, so maybe they just want to work him in slowly. But you have to get that chemistry early. You're not gonna just be able to wait. You're not. You're not in the East anymore. I feel like they're coaching and LeBron's playing like he's in the East. He doesn't realize how much of a war it is out West. Like, these games count. In the East, they don't count. In the East, they can start off have these losing streaks and get hot and win 12 games and then coast with third, third to, coast to the third seed. That's not how it works in, uh, in, the, in the West. You I mean, you can right. lose just because of a game you lost in November because – I think the Clippers were uh, two games from getting in or something. Uh, Denver right. lost one game, and it came down to literally the second half of the game who won that to get in. They beat Minnesota in, like, overtime to get into the playoffs. All these games count. They're going to have to start taking it serious. Um, all right, well, that's enough. I have something to ask. Man, I forgot already what I was going to ask, and it was a bombshell, too. I might have to cut this shit out of here. You never know, because uh, now it just seems silly. So do you think LaMelo right. Ball should be eligible to play high school basketball? No, I don't. Um, I think that – I think – I've said this for a while now. I think that LeVar Ball really screwed – listen, I never thought Jello was going to make it to the league anyway, regardless of what uh, LeVar Ball did, but um, – <laughs> I think he really screwed Melo over. I still think that there's some some way somehow that he he's got to go to college or he's got to go to high school, one or the other. That's the only way he's making it to the league. It, it just is. I, I but I, do he, do I think he should be eligible? No, I don't. So 
One question is, number one, I don't think he should be eligible because even if he didn't get paid, his father benefited from that. His father's his guardian. So if he benefits, then the son benefits. Kind of like when Cam Newton's dad got that money through the church. I think that they should have been suspended because you go, I didn't get it. Well, your dad got it. Scam news. You know what I mean? So if your father gets the money, then you get the money if you live with him. You know what I mean? So, no, I don't think he's eligible. He's he's benefited from being professional in some type of way. But I don't think he has to go to college to make the NBA. I mean, it seems like he would. He really screwed Jello. It's going to be hard for him to screw Melo because Melo is really talented. Jello wasn't a pure talent. Whatever you say about LaMelo, that dude is a pure talent. He's only like 16 or 17 years old. He's really young. Uh, he was going to graduate at 16, so that's why I think he's like 16 or 17 right now. Um, he's growing. He, he hasn't even peaked at his growth yet, and he's something like 6'7 right now, and he has a pure jumper. So even if he doesn't go to college, even if he doesn't play high school right now, that dude can get into the league. Mitchell Robinson last year set out. He just didn't go to college. He just trained, and he made it. Anthony Simmons, uh, he got drafted by Portland. He didn't play either. He played like a prep basketball league instead of going to college. He just have to be one year removed for college. Like I can name like at least three people that got drafted this year and didn't go to college. So it's a new trend starting. I don't think you have to be in the league. And he has enough publicity where – College isn't going to change. People, scouts are going to still look at him. They're going to still give him tryouts. Now, Jello just wasn't good. I mean, point blank, period. Yeah, and I, that's what I was on that. I mean, but no one thought Jello was going to the league. And let's face it, the only reason he got a tryout after the whole UCLA fiasco was because his brother is Lonzo Ball. But I mean, they were uh, literally putting him in, like, the gym playing against dudes at the rec center talking about he hit 9-3. Well, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. So... We'll see. I don't, I don't know how this plays out. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to play college basketball. Um, I think that if he's not able to play college or high school basketball, I think he's in trouble. Uh, I just I don't see a path for getting to – I mean, because then what is he doing? Like, Well, he had he had to already – is it called clearinghouse for high school? He had to already get through that for him to even be on the court. Because in high school, they'll make you sit or all the, or you'll have to forfeit the games. So he's obviously eligible for high school which I don't see how. So he must be eligible at this point for college. But it can be different because there's been a bunch of people that, um, like, what is it, um, the Anthony Melton, he, he plays for yeah. the Suns right now, and he enrolled at USC but didn't qualify to get in. But he finished high school. So the rules are a little stricter when you get in college than it is for high school. But the problem is, is you have teams pulling out, big teams that helps your recruiting. Um, I think Oak Hill pulled out of the game against Spire with LaMelo, Bell, LaMelo, LaMelo right. Ball saying that he's a professional player. So you've already had three teams pull off the schedule. So that's going to be big because that's scouts. But as I said, he's far, he's part of the Ball family. He's Lonzo's brother. Scouts are going to come watch him. It doesn't matter. He could be playing Fayetteville High School. They're going to come watch him. I mean, that might be true. He's too we'll talented, see. I'm man. interested he's, to see how this plays out. No matter what you do in life, talent – they always look at talent. Now, when you're not talented anymore, you start getting treated like Melo. But as long as <laughs> like you're talented, Jello. and that's, it's hard for those athletes. That's, what, that's what's wrong with Melo. He's, all his life, he's been able to dictate whatever he does. He, he knew that he was the highest com, um, commodity on the team. So he acts a fool. Now that he's not, he doesn't even know how to take it. Just like Iris when he got bitched. He's been the biggest thing. Now they're telling you, uh, we could cut you. He can't even fathom that, man. Right. 
Yeah. It couldn't be his fault. <laughs> I mean, we we've seen that that like we talked about, Carmelo is nowhere near what he was. And I, like I said, I have a hard time believing that teams are going to take a chance on LaMelo without seeing him play any kind of competition. I mean, the JBA or JBL, whatever the hell it was, was not real competition. The Lithuania League was playing against the Lithu- Lithuania D League, and these players were, like, smoking at halftime. Like, but, but he played in that um, JBA USA thing. That was, like, that wasn't that wasn't just a fluke, though. That USA team thing they played in, they played some legit teams in that. I'm curious to see how it goes. We'll see. End of the day, I, though, he may be a head case. I don't know, but that dude is extremely talented. I, I just can't see the NBA not taking a flyer on that type of talent. He, even if he doesn't get drafted, he's going to get on a summer league team. Because as I said, I don't, I don't think he's done growing, bro. You know, boys don't stop growing until like 21. And this dude is like, he's had two growth spurts. Like two major growth spurts. Yeah, he went from like six foot to six six. Yeah, like he had months. a big jump. Like that dude might end up being like six nine, And he can already handle the ball and shoot. That's Anthony Davis. I just don't see how nobody takes a chance on him. It's, it's it's almost impossible for me to fathom. He can sit out the next two years, and I feel like he will go pro. But that also brings me to I think American system is messed up because overseas, you can start playing pro at 14, you're never going to go to college, and you can still get drafted once you turn 18. In I mean, America, you look at Luka Doncic, yeah. and that, that's exactly what happened there. It's, un, it's unfair for Americans. We put in a system to make um, colleges money and the high school money, but then we put in a system overseas to say, hey, these kids have been playing on pro teams since they were like 12. Once you're good enough to play for the national team and good enough to get in this league, they will put you on a team. You can play six years over there and then come to the NBA and get drafted. And there's no problems. But somehow in in um, America, if you decide, hey, I don't want to go to high school. This is pointless for me. I don't want to go to college. Now you're penalized for it and no team wants to draft you. Now part of that is them holding your rights and stuff, but still, that ain't fair. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, well, that's what I got to say, man. Anything? Uh, oh, real quick. I know this is random, <laughs> but I might be back in on The Walking Dead. Uh, took a season and a half off of the poo-pooness, and I've been interested the last two seasons. Or two two episodes, I should say. Well, I'm going to hold my opinion. I want to see the. I didn't see the episode last night, so I need to watch that episode to see what this jump is like. But I can say, I mean, it, it feels like a lot better than it has been in the past, but I'm one of those dedicated watchers. Once I'm in... Even if it's trash, I'm still going to watch it. You go down with the ship? I go down with the ship, man. I'm in already. I've invested too much time to not get closure. Like, I'm still going to watch <laughs> Iron Fist, even though it's terrible and it's not going to be renewed. But I'm going to watch it. That's how I am. I'm in. I'm in. I'm back in. I, I got one foot in on The Walking Dead again. I know we, we kind of talked about that on the last episodes. But um, there's a show on, on Netflix called The Bodyguard. Six episodes solid it's a, a british uh like thriller if you guys get some time and you're looking for it, like on this snowy day or if it's snowing where you live bodyguard solid recommendation is it better than luther it's on a completely different level than luther um actually i never saw luther i i saw a couple episodes and i didn't finish it it's only like it's like four seasons but it's a total of like eight episodes <laughs> this is, yeah I, british tv is like weird it was like a season will be like three episodes but i used to hate anything british um just i don't like the accents and i don't think they're funny um but 
their serious stuff, man, their dramas and their uh, their thrillers. Yeah, it's deep and dark. They're always so good, though. You know, I guess that's why all of our superheroes in America are British, because those mofos know how to act like crazy. You know, a lot of the popular shows that we have, that popular dramas and mysteries, they come from shows that they've stolen from the British. Well, even the gift to uh, to American culture, that is The Office, was stolen from uh, the British office. So, yeah. Ricky Gervais, the, the mastermind behind that. I still have um, I'm still just in season two. Oh, you got to get it going, man. Yeah, I need to make I, it more ground. The Office is it, it's it's great. It really is, and it took me a long time to be able to admit that. But The Office is fantastic. I feel like I mean we're going through like a lot of the mid season finales of a lot of my shows. So in this next probably like a four week break, most shows get off. I'm I'm going to catch up on a bunch of stuff. And the Office is right there on that list. You know what went downhill for me? What I was so excited about was uh, Rail. Oh yeah, it's bad now. It's really, really it's, bad. It's like I was watching it last night. Like, man, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can keep doing his character. He got to take the characters out, man. Yeah, the characters. Yeah, are, the characters make the show. Like, I can deal with a lot of it, but now you yeah. shouldn't have Sinbad carrying the show. No, and yeah, I think I stopped watching after. I think it it all started to go south the third or fourth episode, and. uh I try to support, you know, anything black, but man, it's getting tough on that one. I, I, so I was like, ah, I'm out. It's, yeah, so. it, it's it's not getting better. Just to let you know, you you might have made a good decision to get out early, cause man, it's it's not good. I I haven't even been finishing the episodes. Like, don't even Yikes. care what, the, don't even care how it ends. Yikes! Yeah, it's bad. It, you know, it's because I feel like, and you know, I talked about this. They just tried to do the Gerard Carmichael show over and uh or the carmichael show but it just it's not working it's not not a good recipe Mm-mm. and i seen uh i seen uh carmichael talking about it and he just he kept emphasizing like yeah i help out but that's his show like <laughs> i feel like he's giving opinions and they're like brushing them off like now nah, we're gonna do this and he's like i don't know if that'll work because that's the right. feeling that i got when he was in the interview he kept saying yeah you know i help out you know i get it. but it, it's his show at the end of the day he does what he wants like he was trying to separate himself from what's actually happening now i'm gonna tell you a, a show that's really good that i didn't think would be that good uh happy together with dwayne Wayne with damon wayne's son and uh the lady off of uh carmichael show that oh my boo i can't remember her name but i know who you're talking yeah, about it's actually better it's a really good sitcom i've been watching i'm it's way better than real but you should check it out it's called happy together kind of a silly concept but like some kind of sip pop star lives with them for some reason and yeah you gotta watch it's kind of funny though all right well um that's it that's all folks sorry for the two-week break we'll be back next week actually yeah, we should be back next week. <laughs> we so you're not you're not fully committed to that, I see. Well, I was just thinking because I'm traveling for the holidays next week, so uh, so we'll have to record this on Monday and get it out to you. So, uh, bro, you that's know, it, man. You know this is a podcast. Your equipment can travel with you. All you need is internet. You do yeah, realize I'm not that, that dedicated, right? you know? Uh, don't you ain't got to call me out like that. <laughs> so you know what I mean? You know how hard it is to get this shit on a plane? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, so, I'm just saying, you know, think about it. <laughs> all right, y'all. All right. Have a great week. We'll see you soon. Peace.